Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest joining us from Australia is Bronwyn Shortino, and we will be discussing her work and her book, Keep It Super Simple. Bronwyn is an internationally renowned author, simplicity expert, and professional speaker who spent almost two decades as a high-powered award-winning executive before experiencing a life-changing event that forced her to stop and ask the question, what if there's a better way to live? Bronwyn blogs regularly for global platforms and has been featured in The Book of Amazing People, Reboot Your Life Phoenix Edition, and Successful Women in Business Winners Edition. She is regularly invited as a guest interviewee on blogs, podcasts, radio, Facebook Live, and YouTube, and is in member sites situated throughout the world. Bronwyn works with people globally through corporate programs, conference platforms, retreats, professional monitoring, and in the online environment. She shares her secret to success and inspires individuals to simplify their lives and embrace the concept of an economy of enough. For more information, you can visit her website, which is sheiqlife.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Bronwyn to the show. Good day, Bronwyn. Hi, Robert. How are you going? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? Fantastic. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to today's show and um, certainly helping people simplify their life. So, um, in the beginning, in the beginning of your book and in the introduction, I indicated that you describe a life-changing experience that shattered your world. Would you mind sharing that experience with the listeners? Sure. Uh, so I spent almost two decades uh, in the corporate world. And I pushed myself so hard and for so long that my life shattered around me in a matter of minutes. Uh, And uh, essentially what happened was I was told for eight years that I had psoriasis on my head. And psoriasis is sort of like um, an extreme version of eczema, so it's a skin condition. Uh, And I went to the GP for annual checkup. Um, asked her to have a look at this patch of psoriasis because it had grown significantly over the last um, 12 months. Uh, And she had a look at it and sort of said, "Mm, yeah, I think it's okay, but we'll send you to a dermatologist just in case. Uh, And when I got to the dermatologist, he looked at it for about 10 seconds and said, that's not psoriasis, that's skin cancer, and you're going to need plastic surgery. Uh, And... Uh, in that moment when I received that news, uh, most people would be, you know, wow, this is incredible, this is my life-changing event. Uh, for me, I was just annoyed because it was something else I had to schedule into my day. It was something else that I had to fit in. 
uh, and I just had no idea how I was going to do that. Uh, so I went to the plastic surgeon and he said, yes, you skin cancer and you know, we're going to need to cut it out. Uh, so I gave myself half a day to have six centimetres of my head cut out because I was spending so much time looking after everybody else and making sure everybody else is okay that it just did not even enter my consciousness that I needed to spend some time for me and looking after me for a change. Uh, the afternoon of my surgery, um, I was back on my laptop working, looking after everybody else, and I had bandages stapled to my head. I really don't cope well with anesthetics, so I was really sick, uh, and yet I was still back in that same mindset looking after everybody else. And then four days later, I went back to the surgeon for the post-op checkup, uh, and you know, they're pulling, literally pulling staples out of my head and, and cutting stitches to have a look at the wound. And for some reason, uh, the surgeon and, and uh, his nurse left the room for, for something. Uh, and I looked across the room at my husband and said, you know, is it okay? And he sort of looked at me and said, oh, um, yeah. And I, I thought, <laughs> this is not right. Something's not right here. And I walked across the room, had a look in the mirror, and what was looking back at me looked like there was a quarter of my head missing. And the shock that I received in that moment of looking in the mirror um, completely flipped me into a different reality. And in that moment, it was like somebody clicked their fingers and my entire life shattered into a million pieces around me. Uh, and, uh, you know, suddenly I found myself in this space of un being unable to cope in everyday basics in life and uh, unable to stop crying. And that moment, uh, you know, started this incredible journey for me where, you know, I, spend, I spent two years uh, doing the most invasive, intensive and overwhelming work that I've ever had to do in my life just to piece myself back together, just to be able to actually exist in the basics in life. And then it was another 12 months of that same work after that before I knew really strongly who I was, what I wanted to be doing and how I wanted to be doing that. Uh, so, um, you know, I've learned so much during that, that time and in fact since as well about how we're put together as individuals, you know, that the... the um, the things that go together to create an impact in our life as an individual and just the way that we are um, driven down a path that's not, not necessarily for us and the, the way that we end up feeling like we have to stay there. Uh, and so that's how Keep It Super Simple came about and, and all of my work came about because understanding those things and being able to you know, piece my life back together in a way that's really healthy, really really rewarding, but, you know, highly successful as well. Um, and, you know, those that, you know, the principles, I guess, that I created through that to support me and, and help me to create a life in a different way is what I now teach globally. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that is... That's that's a, a, an amazing story. Now, surviving cancer is an exceptional feat, um, and many times the the battle though is hidden from the from public view. Um, you know, except yeah. for maybe 
losing, you know, losing hair and cancer treatment. But with yours, that wasn't the case. So, yeah. how, what, what were kind of the additional challenges recognizing that it was something not only visible to others, but something that was visible to you every time you looked in the mirror? Yeah, the visible to me every time I looked in the mirror was exacerbated because because I had that breakdown on top of the cancer um, and because I had that very visual memory or, or um, I guess, reference every day uh, that, that life had changed. Um, it, that was an incredible uh, journey for me to work through. Um, I think the, one of the hardest things for me was uh, looking in the mirror and not knowing who was looking back anymore. Um, you know, because I had literally broken and, and, sh- and you know, had shattered with such a force um, that I was, complete, I was completely lost in life and had no idea who I was, um, no idea what my life was going to be anymore. You know, it, it's like somebody clicks your fingers and you lose everything. Um, but the hardest thing is that you don't understand what's going on, so you can't actually describe to anybody what's happening for you. So that makes it really hard to find your way forward because you don't understand it yourself. You can't work out what's going on. And so trying to find the pathway forward and the steps forward becomes so much more complex and so much more complicated. Um, I was incredibly lucky to have an incredible hairdresser um, who... Um, he reshaped my hair so you know I've got naturally curly hair and he recut it so that there's a curl that literally sits in the um, I like to call it the crater on my head <laughs> there's a curl that naturally mm-hmm. sits in that now so it's completely disguised um, so uh, you know it took a while for the hair to grow back for that to happen um, and mm-hmm. because it had um, it had padding and, and bandages and stuff on it for quite a while so it was the actual crater, if you like, was hidden, but there were still the bandages and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was, it, it really, it really, it's hard to describe. It really is the most incredible experience to go through. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps the, the hardest thing for me is that as that healed and my hair grew over, my issue then became the breakdown, which of course is mental, and that is naturally an injury that people can't see. When you've got a physical injury, people are so much more understanding of what you're going through because they can see the injury. Mm. When you've got a mental injury, people can't see it. And I looked really well, you know, because I, I took really good care of myself from a nutrition point of view. And, you know, I was walking and, and exercising frequently. So I looked really well and people couldn't understand that there was something wrong with me. And I think that that's harder than having a physical injury that people can actually see the development of the healing. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, can, I can understand that. And, and you, know, uh, you know, what you went through is, um, I would think, a very... Uh, understandable response that many people go through um, whenever there is, you know, a traumatic um, uh, event that alters their body in some sort, you know, some sort mm-hmm. of way. Um, so now, the, and, and the mental aspect afterwards, now, with, 
what um, led you to writing uh, the book, Keep It Super Simple? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was about uh, 12 months into my recovery, and one of my counselors discovered that I was terrified of writing anything personal down. So I'd never journaled, I've never written anything personal down, I've never documented any of my feelings, I've never done any of that because I was literally terrified of it. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I discovered uh, through my recovery process is that I had really strong tendencies towards perfectionism. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so journaling uh, for me was... Uh, it was, it was something that could be used as evidence against me that I wasn't perfect. If somebody ever came across mm. it, they could use it. Uh, so I was terrified of it. And when you're in a counselling situation like that and they identify something that you're afraid of, it becomes your homework. So, um, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I had to go home and, and journal as my homework. Uh, and I was so scared of it that it took me three weeks to write one word on a page. Uh, and it was really, really intensive and really invasive for me. And that, that homework was incredibly difficult. But around, <clears throat> excuse me, around about the same time, uh, I was just putting my toe in the water to go back into social situations and actually start to um, you know, go back out into public life a little bit uh, because I hadn't been able to cope with any of that. Uh, and so I literally dropped off the face of the earth in terms of um, catching up with people, seeing people, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so I put my toe in the water to go back into these social situations and people started saying to me, oh, where have you been? What have you been doing? We haven't seen you for ages. And because I was so fragile and I was so broken and I was... I was crying all the time. Uh, there were very few things that I could talk about without completely just, you know, disintegrating into tears. And it turned out that talking about journaling was one of the things that I could talk about without having too much an issue around crying. So I started talking to people about the journaling that I was doing. And they asked me what I was journaling about. And as I started talking to them about some of the topics that I'd been journaling around, uh, they started saying, you have to write a book. You have to turn this into words because the world needs this. Uh, and that became, you know, a massive overwhelm for me. It was, it was oh, I can't do that. I just can't even cope with myself right now. But actually what it did was give me that project that brought me back to having something to concentrate on because I'd gone from a highly scheduled environment where every second was allocated to the exact opposite end of the spectrum where there was nothing to focus on, nothing to do, nobody to be responsible for and I was literally just sitting around, um, you know, working through my stuff and this brought the pendulum back to the middle and gave me a project to focus on where I didn't have the responsibility or the pressure but I had that um, environment where I could sit down, concentrate on something and start to move forward in a different way. To keep it super simple was actually written as part of my recovery. Uh, and uh, it, 
uh, as it went out into the world and it started getting international critical acclaim and five-star awards and uh, and then suddenly people started saying, how else can we work with you? What else can we do with you? Can you come and do a keynote? Can you, can you, can you do a workshop? Um, and suddenly I had this you know, global business that I, you know, was all around um, pretty much my story and um, you know, the way that, that different um, areas had affected me and so many people now say to me, it's like you've written this book for me. Uh, so it, it really connects with people. It, it helps them to really understand how they've gotten to a certain point in their lives and also how they can do things differently to move their life you know, in a different way. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I have found um, many authors, you know, who have kind of gone through the process, uh, uh, like you have, of, of journaling their experience for their own health reasons, you know, for their um, uh, recovery kind of thing, and then find out afterwards that it is something that really can be used by many. And so now... You indicated that you know you were you found out that you were kind of a perfectionist. Uh, do you yeah. find that you still are now, or, or or has this process kind of eased up that perfectionist tendency? Yeah, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist um, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think um, I, I think uh, you know I spent decades as a perfectionist. Um, and I perfected being a perfectionist, you know, so I was really good at it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think uh, there's a lot, I'm a lot kinder and a lot more compassionate to myself now. Um, I think when I'm really tired, uh, you know, when I've I've been really powering through something and uh, really engaged in a process or really creative around something, uh, then and I'm really tired. Then then there's a tendency for those that perfectionism to creep back in a little bit. But I'm so much more conscious of it now, and I uh, you know I am I am I jump on it so much more quickly, and I can calm it and soothe it so much more quickly. So it doesn't have it doesn't have control or really an impact in my life anymore. Um, and uh, you know I I have that you know that that inner critic that that you have is mm-hmm. so out of control and so vicious as a perfectionist. And I have such a beautiful relationship with my inner critic now. She's actually my head cheerleader. Um, so I sent the inner bitch on holidays and the, the head cheerleader <laughs> is like my number one fan and uh, she's here to stay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fun together, which is good. Well, that, you know, that's good. I mean, it's, I, I, I like, um, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention to detail and, and, and will many times, you know, seem a little bit obsessive when it comes to getting things <laughs> right you know, what, or, yep. or what I feel is right, you know. And so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I've, you know I've, I've gotten to the point for myself that it's like, you know, you know, if a mistake happens, it happens, you know, that's just, just fix it <laughs> and yeah. move on. Yeah. So so now um, one of the things um, that you know you, you kind of mentioned a, a little earlier about overwhelm, um, mm-hmm. and that you know now the the stress of everyday life can create you know a, you know situations of overwhelm. So 
So how yes. can I'm going to call it just KISS, you know, keep it super simple. How can KISS yeah. assist with that? Yeah, so overwhelm's a big one. And um, I think, you know, if you look at, at what's happening in the world at the moment with, you know, COVID-19, um, there are a lot of people who are in overwhelm. It's very overwhelming for people because, you know, everything in life is uh, is is in um, flux. Everything is in chaos and we're all having to do things completely differently. Um, you know, Keep It Super Simple can help with that and, and the principles of Keep It Super Simple will help with that because what it does is that it helps you to reconnect with you and what's important to you. And when you know that, it's so much easier to know how, you know, what your next step is and, and the easiest way for you to move forward. One of the beautiful things about the KISS principles is that they help you to cut the noise and the uh, stress out of life. So when you can get rid of the noise and the complexity, uh, it makes it so much easier to just cut the emotion that's attached to things. When we're stressed and we're anxious and there's a lot of fear around, um, when we're tired, the emotions are a lot higher and the emotions are what keep us trapped in place. So when you can separate what is actually happening from the emotion, it makes it so much easier to just look at what is actually happening with a clear um, viewpoint and a clear head. Um, it, all of the activities in, in Keep It Super Simple are all designed to really pair things back to, to, to really simple and practical steps that just move you forward. Because it's when you get stuck that it becomes so much harder and the overwhelm kicks in. Um, you know, if you think about the number of times that you have identified a goal that you want to achieve and suddenly it starts to become, but then I have to do this and then it's going to mean that and then it's going to do this and then that person's going to get upset and then how am I going to do with that? And you can see straight away how you're stuck in a spiral and all automatically it's like your hands go up, you just go, it's too big, it's too much, it's overwhelmed. When you pair that back and you just say, okay, what's three simple things that I can do? to be able to move forward and, and have what I want. Take the first thing, what's three simple things I can do for that and just start with the first of those. Suddenly it becomes tiny little steps that is just so much simpler to move forward in a different way. Doesn't feel like you are changing the entire world. You don't have to throw out your entire life and start from scratch, just do one little thing. And um, you know, and I know what it's like to have your entire life thrown into chaos and really have to start from scratch and, and not know where to start and have no idea where to turn. When you can take control of that and, and take one tiny little step now, you know, you can significantly change the direction your life moves. And I always like to say, if you yeah. think about a compass, you hold a compass in your hand and you're, you're heading directly north. If you choose to move uh, your direction just one degree off north, you'll end up in a significantly different place than if you'd stayed walking directly north. And it's exactly the same with life. One tiny little step, just one degree of change, and it will significantly change where you end up. Yeah, you know, and you're, you know, you're right in that, you know, in today's environment um, with uh, the COVID-19, uh, I mean, people, people's lives are, I mean, just completely overturned. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, you know, the idea of, like you had of work, 
then no work, and then the project of writing the book or the journaling and then the book. Um, I think that's where a lot of people are at right now was that they had this work. They had, you know, everything was set and, and things were yes. going along just fine. And now all of a sudden now there's no work. And, yes. and people, I think, are, are grappling to try and, uh, you know, find that direction, you know, and, and recognizing that it's, it's forever changed, you know, yes. um, and now what to do. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a couple of things there. The first is that we have a window of time right now. We have been graced with a window of time. Uh, and we can use that in one of two ways. We can get caught in the spiral and we can, you know, get stuck in, you know, the whole world's in chaos, life's out of control, um, you know, I'm so stressed, I'm so anxious, I, there's so much fear, I'm so afraid. We can get caught in that and we can spend that time in that. Physically and mentally, that will do significant damage. Uh, to us individually and, you know, uh, us globally as a community. The second option is that you can take this time and you can actually have a look at what, you know, where your life is, what was happening in your life before, what wasn't working for you, what would you really like to do differently? Because, you, you know, all of a sudden the excuse of, uh, you know, I have no time, I'm so busy, that's out the window. You have all the time in the world right now. How are you going to use it? So, um, you know, there are so many different things that you can do. There are so many different steps that you can take right now. You've been graced. You know, grab hold of that and and use that in a different way and use that to your advantage. That's the first thing. The second thing is to understand that, um, you know, socially we've been conditioned to fear change more than we fear death. Uh, we are so afraid of change that we will just stick in our lane and we will not step out of it, we will not move, even though we know that it's making us seriously ill and that we are miserable. We would rather stay where we are than step into change. And that is because we've been taught that change is really hard and that change is bad for us. Most of us don't understand what happens within our system biologically, like physiologically, when we change. And so we don't understand that the signals that we receive are actually telling us that we're on the right path. We've been taught that those signals mean that it's too hard and therefore we shouldn't do it. So change is um, right now, you've got globally everybody in their greatest fear. Uh, you know, change has been forced on everybody. Um, change is hard enough we've been taught when you actually decide to do it yourself, but now it's been, you know, literally forced on everybody and their entire life has been thrown up, thrown up in the air. So right now you have an exacerbated level of anxiety, stress and fear going on and everybody's forced into change at the same time. So, uh, you know, it, understand what's happening in your body in change. There's an entire chapter on it in Keep It Super Simple that talks you through it. Uh, and, um, you know, if you understand that and you can actually step forward and change your relationship with change, this time right now will be the catalyst for the most incredible changes that you can make in your life. Yeah, it, it does provide um, opportunity, certainly, for, yeah. for people to, to, you know, reevaluate one's life uh reevaluate yeah. priorities and 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 uh make make changes and 
and you're right, you know, um, it's, change is hard when it's voluntary, when you when you choose it. Um, being, being forced, you know, into change, um, you know, is, is, is another matter. And it's interesting, I think, when you look around you to see, you know, people in your life, uh, um, how they react to this change. I mean, yeah. it's, you can see, you can actually see people who um, maybe not fully embrace, but people who, you know, there are people who are just um, terrified, like you said, terrified of what's happening. And, you know, and they're the kind that don't normally take easily to change. So yeah. um, it's really kind of highlighting that um, that tendency in ourselves to, to, to change. Yeah. yeah. But it's learned behavior. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, and that's really important to understand. This is not a failure on your part. If you, if you are struggling with the change and you're really stuck in that fear and anxiety and stress spiral, that is all learned behaviour. And you can learn to step out of that and move forward in a different way. It really comes back to understanding what's going on and actually understanding yourself, understanding your triggers, uh, and what makes you react in a certain way. And, and all of that is conditioning, all of it we've been taught. So the more you can understand about yourself, the more you can reconnect with yourself, and the more you can know what's important to you right now, that will completely change the way you move forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there are a couple of topics in your book that I kind of want to highlight just to give the listeners an idea of, of what it contains. And, and one of them was in your book you indicated that you had a big aha moment uh, when you were watching a, a Greg Braden video and heard yeah. him say, what if they're wrong? So yeah. can you share with us about that moment and its impact on you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was in that that phase of uh, you know, my recovery where I had really nothing to do and I was doing a lot of baking because that's how I shared my love with the world. Um, you know, I would head into the kitchen and I'd be really creative and I'd put together all these different cakes and um, you know, meals and all that sort of stuff and of course we couldn't eat them all so my husband would then take them out and drop them off on the doorsteps of all our friends and say, this is, you know, baked with love. Um, but there's only so much of that that you can do. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody had given me the, or gifted me the, um, I think it's the You Can Heal Your Life video or something like that. And um, I was watching that. And Greg Braden was one of the people that was being interviewed uh, on that program. And he started talking about the social conditioning that you receive and, the way that you are taught what's right and what's wrong about yourself and what's an acceptable behaviour and what's not, what what you know, what is good about you, what's bad about you, those sorts of things. And then he asked the question, but what if they're wrong? What if what people have told you is not right for you? And it was like this moment for me where I just had all of this clarity and it was like all these years I've been told all of these things about myself and I've been trying to fulfill the, the prophecy in inverted commas of what everybody else had created for me and none of it was right for me. I'd been living this entire life 
trying to keep everybody else happy, trying to step in and be the person that, that they had needed me to be or wanted me to be. Uh, and I have lived my life through the filters of everybody else's eyes. And it made me realize that you know, from the time that you are young, and, and this is actually something I talk about in my next book, which is The Economy of Enough, um, they took, you know, remember when you're at school and somebody asks you or the teacher asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, you go around the classroom and, and you say, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And, and you know, then there's one child who says something, you know, out of the, out of the box, out of the ordinary. Uh, and everybody laughs. And in that moment, that child either, you know, squashes themselves and, you know, they, they really take that conditioning on board and, and suddenly that becomes something that they can't do. Uh, or they sort of go, well, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it anyway. And the more that I've researched this and the more that I've looked into this, the more that I realise that the percentage of the kids who say, I'm going to do this anyway, is so minute. It's so tiny. We get shaped so much by what everybody else determines is our skill set, our intelligence, um, our abilities, um, you know, what we're suitable for. And the conditioning is so intense if you put your head above the parapet and say, no, I don't care, I'm doing it my own way. You have to be incredibly strong to be able to actually withstand that. And when you're younger, when you're you know, a, a child aged sort of up to seven to 10 years, that's a significant ask for a child of that age to stand up, at, to, to withstand that and say, I'm going to do it anyway. So yeah. um, I have lived so much of my life with, uh, you know, you're so intelligent, you know, and I, I loved being outside and I played every sport under the sun uh, and at one point, I remember wanting to be a PE teacher, like a physical education teacher at school. And it was like, no, that's not good enough for you. You have to do something else. And so that was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I have to go and do something else. And I had no idea that my whole life had been shaped in a completely different way and that I was doing so much that was it either clashed with my values, drained my energy, or I just had no interest in it. And that was my entire life. So that question, what if they're wrong, um, I use that all the time now. It's one of the key things that I teach people because we live so much of our life on autopilot. We just respond without thinking. And if we can put a question between what somebody sends to us, so you have to do this, you've got to do that, you should do this, um, can you do this for me, can you do that for me? And we respond to that without thinking. If we put a question in between our answer and the question or the demand, then we can actually consciously connect with what we're responding. And so I use that what if they're wrong now all the time. As soon as I hear somebody say, you have to do this or you should do that or you've got to go and say this, first thing I ask is what if they're wrong? And that immediately lets me say, hang on, do I want to do this? Am I connected with that? Is this something I'm interested in? And I can start to get my own answers in life that way. And it's so important because I'm connected. I'm consciously connected and consciously making the decisions for my life. And yes, it took a bit of effort to start with to really create that habit, but now it's just natural. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I 
can completely understand that. You know, I know um, when it comes first, my my um, kind of awareness around that started a lot when I had the got the you have to you have to do this you have yeah. to do that, and 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 my I mean it didn't take long for me to say who said I have to do that yeah. you know, who is it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and then um, the now living. I'm living in the south uh, of the U.S. right now, and yeah. there are um, several people around who are constantly saying to me that I should do such and such. You know, I mean, is this yeah. a, it's the it's the proper thing to do. You know, that you should such and. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, first of all, I was not raised, you know, with with those <laughs> set of values, you know, so thank you very yeah. much. Um, but, um, but, but it's, you know, whenever I hear that, I mean, it just kind of sets up and uh, sets off an alarm with me that, yeah. you know, someone is trying to force me into an action, whether I, you know, and that might be something I would have done anyway, that, you know, but, but yeah. the point was, is that, they're not giving me the choice, you know. They're trying yeah. to determine for me what I should do, and and um, yeah. So I, I think for people listening right now, if, if you're ever counted with a, you know, you have to or you should, um, you know, maybe kind of take a step back and think, you know, is this really what I want to do? You know, and, yeah. um, and the then is, move on from that. The other big one is you, you need to. You have to. You uh, should. Oh. You need to. If you hear those three things uh-huh. straight away. What if they're wrong? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I'm going to kind of. Uh, I mean, normally my my the bells go off when I hear that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna add in that. What if they're wrong? And I'll be quite honest. Some of the times it's gonna be most of the time for me it's gonna be you know you are wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just gonna say right off, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, we're gonna move on. You know, but um, yeah. now now you mentioned that you. you you quickly mentioned that your next book is going to be about the economy of enough. And um, so tell us a, a little bit about that because, you know, you have a chapter in, in the, you know, keep it super simple called enough is enough. So, and, and particularly in today's environment, you know, um, exactly um, what, what is the economy of enough and, and how can we help make our lives simpler by using that? Yeah, so um, I've actually got two other books. So the Economy of Enough, and then the, the third book is Beyond Our Heart. So um, the economy, the economy of Enough, is all about uh, embracing you are enough. So uh, you know the thing that fueled my perfection was I wasn't good enough at anything. I was never good enough. It didn't matter what I achieved, and I achieved a lot. Don't get me wrong. I you know I I wasn't kidding when I said I perfected being perfectionist. Um, and I achieved at incredible levels and very young ages, uh, and um, it was never good enough. So um, I was named as an award winner of a really quite prestigious award in Australia, and I told no one. You know, because mm-hmm. there might be somebody that could prove that I had done something that didn't, that meant that I wasn't actually supposed to be awarded that, you know. So, but it, life mm-hmm. was so complex, it was so convoluted, uh, and the conversations I had with myself were so mean and so nasty. 
Um, you know, so it didn't matter what I achieved. It didn't matter where I ended up. It didn't matter what I had. It didn't matter, you know, from a fitness point of view, an intelligence point of view, and a work achievement, a career achievement. It did not matter. It was not good enough for me. Uh, and so the economy of enough really was about embracing and understanding, you know, the incredible, unique, divine individual that you are. Uh, and really letting go uh, the those expectations that you have um, that even I mean even though you set really high expectations for yourself when you're a high achiever you achieve them anyway but then you get there and they're not good enough <laughs> so you set the set the bar again at a really high level again and then you get there and it's still not good enough so um, it's about really taking the pressure and the stress out of life absolutely embracing the greatness of who you are and stepping forward into that in the truth of it. So instead of constantly bringing yourself down, it's about just embracing who you are. And one of the things that I really identified as part of that is the way that, you know, when we're socially conditioned, we're told that there are parts of ourselves that are not appropriate, that aren't good. You know, there are, we're literally told that parts of ourselves are bad. So the first thing that we do is we, we take those parts of ourselves and we hide them because otherwise somebody might be able to see them and then you're offending somebody constantly. What that does is it leaves this hole within us that, you know, you get to a point in life where you can actually ignore that and you can power through and you can move forward, um, but eventually you get to a point in life where you realize that something is missing and you can't identify what that is. And so we start stepping out and we start going to go and do all this self-development, personal development work. But what we don't realize is that we search for um, courses and development programs that are within the purview of what's been given to us as appropriate. So what we're doing is we're stepping into the same space and we're overdeveloping areas of ourselves that are already overdeveloped. And until we actually reach behind us and bring forward uh, and reintegrate those parts of ourselves that we've been told are bad, we actually can't fill that gap. We can't fill that hole and we will, we will remain in a space where it feels like something's missing. So this book is all about understanding that you don't need to be a better person. Being a better person will keep you stuck in that sphere where all you're doing is just overdeveloping what is already overdeveloped. Step into a space of being a whole person. Find those pieces of yourself that you've hidden away because somebody else has told you that they're bad and reintegrate them and embrace them. When you're a whole person, the world opens up in a completely different way. And you have a completely different relationship with who you are and how you actually journey through life. So that's what this book is all about. It's about embracing the enoughness of yourself and transitioning and transcending the enoughness into greatness. Hmm. Yeah, well, that, well that, I, I like that. Um, and now... When when you were going through you know the the recovery process and kind of you know re um, I don't say redefining but um, re, uh, recognizing you know your 
establishing your new self, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, were, how did, were there setbacks, and, and, and how did you deal with, with setbacks? Yeah, there's, there's always setbacks in life, um, and uh, I like to call them journeys down different pathways. Um, okay, so here's how I deal with that. Uh, if you think about when you go on holidays, think about who you become and your mindset and just your general way of being. You get on holidays, uh, you you suddenly feel lighter and you feel so much happier in the world. You are much more likely to go and um, holiday in a place that you haven't visited before. So you're you're already exploring because you want to go and see and experience new things. And within that environment, you're happy to try new foods, try new activities, um, you know, have a different drink, try a different restaurant. You know, what, you're, you're happy to really adventure and explore. And if something doesn't work as part of that, so let's say that you go and do an activity and you really don't like the activity, you don't react as if your entire life is going to collapse because it was just on holidays and it's okay, I just don't want to do that activity again. Whereas when you're on holidays and you try something and you really love it, you'll try to find more of it for those same types of activities because you loved it so much. So what I recommend people do is actually bring that holiday mindset back into everyday life. If you apply that same mindset where you take the pressure off yourself, whether or not you, um, you know, absolutely exercise to the extreme every day, you take the pressure off yourself for the way that you eat and you're so much more relaxed with eating, you're in less of a hurry around everything, you experience time differently, bring that back into everyday life and suddenly you become an adventurer and an explorer. Um, put your toe in the water and, and you know, try something. And if it doesn't work, that's just as cool as if it does work because when something doesn't work, you have got an immediate uh, set of information that tells you you don't need to go. To, you don't need to keep going down that path. There's not a lot more down that path for you because it hasn't worked. When something does work, you've got a, an immediate set of information that tells you that there's more for you down that pathway. Keep going. Keep exploring. It drops the pressure and the stress out of life, and it allows you to just ebb and flow with what comes to you. And when you know who you are, you can much more easily determine the pathway to walk down in the first place and what you find is that if you take the pressure off yourself for being able to try things and you play with your life a bit more it makes it so much easier for you to actually ebb and flow with what's happening and you become so much more fluid with the way that you're doing things and like everything that takes a bit of practice because you know, we are so, we're so ingrained in how we live life and a lot of that is about avoiding shame and, you know, avoiding being a failure. Uh, but, you know, it's so much easier to, to live in a way that allows you the flexibility of 
playing with things, they're trying things in a different way. And it's so much more fun. And that, I think, is something that's really missing from life, is that fun aspect where you get to laugh and play and, I guess, really in, uh, feed the soul of your inner child. Um, as adults, we can be so serious about everything. And when you can lighten up life, it's just so much easier. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, um, and, and, you know, as you try different things, like you say, you, know, you can find things that you enjoy. So that, you know, one of the things I, I had to laugh, oh, gosh, years ago, well, probably, I started, I've had the show for 10 years, so probably about the first four or five years, I used to have a lot of people call in with intuitives, and, and there, a lot yeah. of times women would call in, and they were like, you know, I really want to find, a, you know, the partner of my dreams, and I keep <laughs> yeah. picking the wrong ones. You know, I, yeah. I always keep picking the wrong ones. And, you know, and, it, and I would kind of come back and say, but listen, you know, and, and they would kind of be upset with themselves because they were picking the wrong ones. And I, I would go back and say, well, you know, now you know what's wrong. Now you know what you don't yeah. like. You know, it's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of helping guide you toward what you want. You know, because sometimes yeah. people just don't really have a clear idea of what they want. So we go about finding what we want through a series of what we don't want. Yeah, I think the contrast in life is really important, and we we forget about that. If you haven't had the experience of, uh, you know, something that doesn't work, how would you know the experience of something that does work? That contrast mm-hmm. is so important, um, you know, and um, I think the flexibility around things as well, because you know, um, never forget that our what we want lists are often shaped by the conditioning that we've received. Mm-hmm. And when we, often when we get there, it's not right for us because it was never right for us. It's just what somebody else gave to us. And when you get there and you feel like you have to be stuck there because that's what you've been told is right for you, that's where it's so important for us to start saying, what if that's wrong? What if, what if actually what I want is somewhere something else? And a great question to ask there is, show me all the possibilities. Because, you know, our minds are so incredibly intricate and they are so powerful. And if we program them, um, it's a bit like a GPS. If you put into the GPS, I want to go from this location to that location, then the GPS will Mm -hmm. actually assess all of the different versions of all the different, you know, routes that you can take to get there. If you say in the GPS, I want to go from that location to that location and you have to take me via these streets, That's what the GPS will do. And our mind works the same way. If you put limitations on the mind, that's what it will give you. If you say to the mind, I'd love to go from here to there and I want to see all the possibilities, that's what you get. And suddenly you have all these different opportunities that you have never thought about in your life and they're in front of you and you get to pick and choose from them. And it's like having the difference between having a buffet where everybody has bought white boiled rice and that's what you get to choose from versus a buffet where everybody's brought a different dish and there's so many different things to choose from and there's so much variety in life. Literally, the the, the difference is like that. Yeah, yeah. And I like that GPS example because, you know, if you choose a certain route and in certain streets, you know, you may have chosen one that has construction or road closures, 
you know, versus the one that, you know, that is the quickest and easiest and least resistant, you know, as, yeah. as being available. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, in your book, um, at the end of each chapter, you you have things called kissdoms. <laughs> so yeah. can you, would you mind sharing with the listeners what they are and maybe give us an example or two of what they are? Yeah, so um, the kissdoms came about because we were, um, my husband and I were, were talking through it one day, and I really wanted to put... Um, I wanted to put these exercises, if you like, in the back of, the, of each chapter because um, I felt so strongly about everybody needing to find their own individual answers. Um, so mm-hmm. much of what I had experienced and so much of the recovery that I'd created was all about really sitting down and just mapping out what, you know, where I was at and what that meant for me and working out how I could move forward in a very different way. Um, and so I really wanted to give that gift to anybody that read the book as well. So the idea behind the Kistons was um, combining Keep It Super Simple with Wisdom, and that's how Kiston came about. Uh, and it became about really individualising um, the, I guess the areas of life that had really impacted me. So if you look at some of the topics that are covered, things like being busy, change, comfort zones, those sorts of things, um, what I really wanted was a way for people to really simply start to move through their life in a different way in those areas. Um, and yeah. so many times people come back to me and they just say, that has been just amazing. It has, been, it has made me really understand um, you know, what is happening to me in that area, I've been un- able to unpack that for myself and find, for the first time find my own answers instead of somebody saying, this is what you have to do to fix that. Um, because as soon as somebody else tells you what you have to do, you know, we already talked about this, you're already on a pathway that's not yours. So, um, you know, the systems were all about just people finding their own journey around this, understanding where they've got to, how they've got there, and then being able to move forward in a really different way, um, you know, around each topic. Um, and I've, I've done the same thing in the economy of enough, but they are nothings. Um, and beyond that, <laughs> high, the entire book is um, the entire book is like journal focused. So that's like a construct in life. There's 52 of them. Um, there's a, they're based around a quote that um, uh, has really had an impact on me. Either I've, it's one that I've created myself or from people, you know, like Greg Braden around the world who've said something that has really given me a moment of inspiration. There's a bit of context around that about how we can get how our life has been shaped or trapped. And then there's a set of questions that you can ask yourself to start unpacking that for yourself as well. So that's been a really strong component of my work and it's a component that people have absolutely loved because it just opens up their life for them in their way. Great. Now, we're getting down toward the end. So I wanted to um, comment. Your website is sheiqlife.com. That's a unique title. Can you tell us why you chose that? So one of my really close friends, um, when I was going to set up um, the business that would support all of my work in the world, 
um, she said to me, oh, you know, Bron, you're just so smart with life. And she said, this is what I think your website needs to be. So she, IQ is smart, life. So she's smart with life. That sounds good. That's easy for the, the listeners to remember. That's why I, I kind of wanted them to kind of have a, a mental idea of, of to, to make it easier for them to remember. Now, yeah. one of the things I, I do want to let listeners know is you know, you also have a blog, and your most recent entry um, in, on that blog is, is entitled, If You're Worrying About Money Amidst yeah. All This Chaos, Here Are Some Resources to Help You Think in a Different Way. That's a very um, important and a very timely blog post. So I definitely want people to go to your website and read that because there are a lot of people worrying about money right now. Yeah, well, I, I actually went out to my community and asked them to tell me what it is that's really worrying them at the moment. And almost everyone that came back said, you know, money, money flow, you know, how I'm going to keep money coming into my house right now. So what I did was go out into my community of, uh, you know, the people that I trust and found what they're doing at the moment. So there's a lot of resources within that blog from, you know, people who are um, experts in the money field. Um, there are resources there to actually physically help you with, um, you know, your, the stress in your body each day. Uh, those sorts of things. So that's a, it's a really, really good resource at the moment for just helping you physically, but also to give you some ideas around how you can, um, you know, really approach money differently right now if that's something that's really worrying you. Um, and really just, I really wanted to help people get out of that fear, anxiety and stress spiral. So um, the resources are all people that I know personally. They're all people that I really trust. They have really high integrity and really strong values. Um, so, you know, use that resource, use those resources. They're all free, which is great um, and, and really important right now as well. Great. Well, Bronwyn, now I do want to let people know who, who use social media that um, they can connect with you on Facebook, uh, we, which we are, which I'm happy yeah. and look forward to following you there. Um, but also on your homepage, in addition to Facebook, is our links to follow you on Instagram and LinkedIn. So um, yeah. if people use those platforms, they can certainly join you there. So, yeah. well, Bron Bronwyn, I am so ha happy to have you with me today. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Uh, and I would also mention that I have a free email series that you can access through the website as well. And that's seven steps to beat stress forever. So jump in there. There's lots of exercises, lots of links to different articles, videos, all of that sort of stuff. So that is free. You can jump in there and start to actually experience life in a different way, reduce your stress that way as well. Excellent. So people, after they listen to this, they can go ahead and do that right away. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. It's been fantastic. Great. Again, everyone, today my very special guest joining us from Australia has been Bronwyn Fortino. We've been talking about her book, Keep It Super Simple, and, and her work. And, again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is sheiq.com. She is smart about life. Sheiq.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. 
You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.